You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the First and Ten Podcast brought to you by Blogging the Boys, powered by SB Nation. I am Tony Catalina alongside my buddy, my guy, Aiden Davis. Aiden, how you doing, my friend? It's Super Bowl week. Yeah, we're recording on Sunday. So we the Super Bowl's coming up. We don't know the outcome. <laughs> uh, I, I would the time assume y'all listen to this, it'll be uh, it'll be Monday. We'll already know if it's the Eagles or the the Chiefs, but for for purposes of this, we don't care. <laughs> like this is not a Eagles Chiefs well, podcast. We do care. We're we're both rooting hard for the, the Chiefs. I assume, yeah, right? I'm I'm uh I'm I'm masking my feelings and and pretending I don't care. But yeah, so we do care. But for the purposes of this podcast, I do not care. But uh, <laughs> as we sit here recording this podcast, this is a very big, very cool episode for us here, Aiden and ourselves. We um, I'm gonna tease it. Because a little while from now, about you know, 10, 15 minutes from now in this podcast, we do have the pleasure of speaking with Cowboys kick return, punt return extraordinaire, Cavante Turpin, who was in Arizona. And he took a little bit of time from, seems like he's having a good time partying, having a little bit of fun there. So uh, he took some time to talk to us and uh, we'll be able to drop that here as well as Pro Bowl rookie. Tariq Woolen, the cornerback from the Seattle Seahawks, was with Cavante Turpin. Um, we were able to talk with him as well. And, you know, in the Super Bowl time, you'll see like RJ Ochoa, other networks, other uh, networks. Um, excuse me, I said that twice. Are uh, able to talk to different people. It's Super Bowl week, so everybody's talking to everybody, and we are no different here on the First and Ten podcast. So um, I just wanted to tease that a little bit because trust me, this episode is going to be awesome. You guys will definitely want to hear what they had to say. And um, Aiden, we won't give away too too much, but what was your initial brief thoughts about those uh, interviews? I thought it was pretty cool. Two guys who are just—they're obviously both rookie players. Two guys who are have been broke out their rookie seasons and so it was you can tell the energy's there they they're ready to be back on the field already it seems like so it was two great guys yeah it was very cool and before we kind of get to that we have some relevant uh topics to talk about obviously um like Aiden mentioned we're recording this Super Bowl Sunday the morning of so we can go and enjoy it watch the game just like everybody else um but leading up to it, you know, at the awards Thursday night, we saw some different things this week. RJ Ochoa is actually a part of some of the headlines, some of the topics. So, but we'll start off right here with Dak Prescott winning the Walter Payton Man of the Year award. Um, as a Cowboys fan, as somebody who follows his team, covers his team, and been a fan all my life, um, this was one of the most prouder moments I've ever been of being a Cowboys fan. Um, that didn't involve play on the field. I mean, Dak Prescott is well deserving somebody that represents the organization in the exact way it should be. And uh, a bravo, another tip in the cap for the uh, quarterback number four there, man. Yeah, I think that, I mean, we can talk about Dak Prescott's play on the field all we want. I mean, I, the debate on whether he's a quarterback that is going to win the Cowboys 
a Super Bowl in the future? Like, that's a legitimate debate. I understand us having those debates, and it's discussions we need to have as Cowboys fans. But if you take the football game away from Dak, you realize that he is just a genuinely great human being. I mean, his faith fight finish foundation is incredible. And you talk about all the stuff he's gone through off the field between losing two family members, one to suicide. I mean, he's been through the ringer here and he continues to just be, he continues to exemplify what the NFL wants to stand for and what the NFL is trying to stand for. And so I've, well-deserved for Dak Prescott. And I think that this is one time that all Cowboys fans should just be happy for the guy. The debates don't need to happen this week. Just let the, let the man enjoy an award that he definitely deserves. You know, if I'm trying to really um, be real with the listeners and humanize the situation, I, I think I'm not unique in this perspective, but cancer, mental health, those things have touched my family. It have touched my life. So to see somebody who is a representative of the organization, the team that I like, I passionately follow, be such a, you know, a person that's such a outspoken key kind of person. And that is, it, it really is a powerful thing, especially being the quarterback of America's team. So um, for him to kind of go through those trials and tribulations and for anybody to, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I understand football is separate from the man off the field and whatever. And he has got to be fair skepticism when it comes to play, which I don't think is fair. You know, I mean, let's put it let's put it straight up, like how he's talked about in that sense is not fair. But what he is and who he is off the off the field is a totally different conversation. That man is um, a stellar person, a well representative uh, of the Dallas Cowboys, the NFL. And, uh, you know, on a side note, it's pretty damn cool. He's going to get to wear that Walter Payton patch on his uh, jersey forever. Um, that is an honor that you definitely cannot take away from him. Yeah, I mean, he's now the most recent man of the year player winner for the Cowboys after Jason Witt won it in 2012. And I remember when Jason Witten won it in 2012, I literally, we had a, I was, this is when I was in middle school, so I am dating myself, but we had a, yeah, we had an assignment of write a story about a hero in today's society. And I wrote it about Jason Witten after he had just won this award and wrote about like all he had done. And so I, this is a huge honor and seeing him wear the patch on his jersey every week is, it's going to be really cool to see. So well-deserved yeah very cool i mean and and you know we won't get too much in it we got other topics we want to talk about but to see him you know with children doing more charitable work the next morning after i mean i'm sure there was some some fun to be had some socializing and stuff and coming off that speech and that big stage to get right back into it that man is you know he is who he is i mean that person he shows you who they are and uh all the best to dak prescott the latest walter payton man of the year award winner um you gotta love that for him and love that for the dallas cowboys um but for our leader, our fearless leader, kind of pivoting a little bit, RJ Ochoa, our guy. Um, RJ, I know he listens to our podcast, so he'll be laughing, you know, that we brought this up. But um, he found himself in the middle of some um, conversation this week, and this was uh, this is actually really cool to know. Like RJ is the person and stuff. This was how this got involved. He got able, like I said, where everyone's interviewing everybody this week, and 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 RJ got the pleasure of interviewing Trayvon Diggs again. I think it was the second or the third time he's got to interview uh, Trayvon Diggs. So. This time, though, he gave us some bulletin board material. I think nationally people were running with it. And if you didn't catch it, um, RJ asked uh, Trayvon Diggs about playing with his brother, you know, Stefan Diggs, wide receiver from the Buffalo Bills. And Trayvon said, and he didn't mince words, he said, quote, we need Cowboys Nation to go out and help tweet to get bro here. We need everyone to know. We need to put it on notice that we need to get bro to Dallas, end quote. So, Aiden, I mean, I know how I feel about that, but how do you feel about that initial thought? And do you think that would ever actually happen? 
I mean, the thought of Stefan coming to the Cowboys and playing with his brother, yeah, I would I would lose it. I would love Stefan to I mean, Stefan, he's in my book top three receiver in the NFL. Getting him on the Cowboys would be amazing. I don't think it's possible just because I mean you're talking about a Bills team that is A in contention, B values their passing game. C Stefan Diggs is obviously the center of that passing game, and they don't really have that many weapons outside of Stefan. I mean, Gabe Davis had a little bit of a down season this year. And then Josh Allen and Stefan are now tied together because Stefan is the player that allowed Josh Allen to take that second and third year leap. No, Stefan's not coming to Dallas. <laughs> he it would take a haul. So I no, I don't expect him to be in a Cowboys uniform anytime soon. But I appreciate Trayvon Tryon. And beyond that, the the reverse is even scarier. I wouldn't want Trayvon to leave to go to Buffalo, but it sounds like those two, like, they actually legitimately want to play with each other. I know, like, Stefan got asked about it by US Today, USA Today, and like, when he was doing his rounds, and um, he was like, man, I know Trayvon wants that, and I know uh, people are pretty pumped about the thought about it, but um, Stefan did not shy away from it. He did not flat out say, no, it wasn't possible. Um, I, you know, listen, we can let our mind wander. I don't know how, many, how much legs it'll actually get, but the conversation is definitely a fun and interesting one to have yeah i think stefan said that the more likely situation is that they meet in the super bowl which by the way i'd be just as happy with I'd love so that. yeah quick question for you and i don't want to put you on the spot is there any wide receivers and we can go big name wide receivers here since we're talking about stefan any receivers that you think the cowboys have a shot at in the trade market this offseason if you're talking about big names and in, in the Cowboys, I think the most likely one is not even a trade target. I still think they revisit the OBJ situation. I think that one legitimately has a chance to happen. I mean, the way it went down and how they were kind of courting him in a situation that like they never put it to bed. I think they realized he wasn't ready this year, but on the spot looking at the trade, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, and I'll ask that reverse question to you, but I do think the real possibility of pairing C.D. Lamb up with OBJ is probably realer than it's ever been. Yeah, that the reason I asked that partially is because I did write about this on the site, so if you're... I don't you know. If, receipts. If, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, by the time you're listening to this, it might be... The article might be released already. It might, it might not be, but it's coming out soon. Two targets, two big name rec- receiver targets that I think the Cowboys have. They have a li- they have a shot of it at least trading for. Now we know Jerry and we know his antics and his unwillingness to make any moves, but two players that if the Cowboys picked up the phone, I think they have a shot f- to trade for: Keenan Allen and Mike Evans. Mm. Two two big name. I mean, Mike Evans' contract expires in twenty twenty three, so you'd have that would be like a one year rental. Keenan Allen's expires in twenty twenty four. I don't think the Cowboys would resign either of those players since you then have to turn around and pay CD. So you're trading for a one-year rental. But if the Cowboys want to push their chips in, I think you can get both of those players for cheap this offseason. Listen, you know, this is maybe even cheaper. I don't know if you caught the wind that Keenan Allen is a possible release, you know, candidate. So, you know, it may yeah. be even easier than trading for. <laughs> I no, I agree. My only issue with letting him hit the free agency market is then you're competing with the other teams. Right. And if the if the Chargers are just going to cut him, I would assume that Jerry could at least say, hey, we'll throw you a fourth round and fifth round pick for him instead of just straight cutting him. 
yeah, try to get out in front of it instead of letting yeah. it be a fair market thing. So yeah. I totally agree. I think that those are moves that like we've been asking the Cowboys to make for feels like a decade now, right? I think the last big signing was Brandon Carr and they, they felt snake bitten by that. So they really haven't come to that level. Um, and kind of speaking of that, you know, it's a perfect segue, honestly. So um, we the initial conversation we we're going to have is about Micah Parsons and his open and volleying, you know, open volleying, volleying for other players. But he wasn't the only one. I believe Trayvon Diggs said something. C.D. Lamb said something. Micah Parsons, they all said something to the tune of, you know, let's bring in guys. Let's get people around Dak. Let's go ahead and build this offense. Let's try to get some people in here to really help us take that step. So I asked you two parts. One. Do you like the fact that we have this brand of athlete or this style of athlete now where they're so open about asking or telling people like this is what we want? And do you think that, you know, Micah Parsons is saying too much in that, I guess, is a two part of that? No, I mean, Micah Parsons has earned the right to, you know, if he wants to go out there and if he just wants to openly say, I want this player, I want this player and this player. I mean, he's. He's the best play on our defense, and he's going to be the best play on our defense for a while. So, yeah, it's reasonable that he's in campaigning for, hey, give me some help over here. I need some help on this defense. I don't know how effective it's going to be. I mean, we know that Jerry really values his autonomy. He values his ability to make his own decisions. I'm obviously paired with his uh, Stephen Jones. I just, I'd love to see, like, when I see players get more vocal, it does give me hope that, oh, maybe Jerry's finally listening. But then I realize, oh, wait, we're talking about Jerry Jones. It probably doesn't matter. <laughs> well, the thing is, it's you wonder what real life human factors fact in, factor in, right? Because Jerry talks about it himself openly. I'm not you know, saying anything that's new here. He's like, I'm not getting any younger. You know, I'm 80 now. Um, you know, the, the the burning for a Super Bowl is probably realer than it's ever been because the reality of the situation is, you know, this prime, his life, so to speak, is when is it going to happen? If it isn't going to happen soon, then when, right? So I, I wonder if there are real-life human factors that kind of change the narrative or change the way they did. I mean, the way they've been moving and stuff over the last decade, well, decades come and gone, right? 10 years, it's come and gone. 28 years have come and gone without a Super Bowl championship. At some point, you say, like, okay, we can stay the course because we are competitive. We are staying right there, you know, in the mix. So, obviously, our popularity is has never been bigger. But at the same time, we haven't been able to go over the hump. Now, do you, how do you go over the hump? Now, I'll ask you this question before we kind of get to the interviews and get over that part. But would you take one Super Bowl, right, win next year, and then five or six years be like a seller-dweller? Just because, you know, you sold out for it. Absolutely. I mean, 100%. this is... 100%. Yeah, 100%. Now, the one thing I will say, you do run the risk of pulling a New Orleans Saints where you push all your chips in and you really invest for right now, and then that doesn't happen and you're left with a bad cap situation in which you're not going to win regardless of what happens. So you're just trying to repair the cap at that point. But in terms of one Super Bowl, for, I'd take a Super Bowl... I mean... Now, granted, this is coming from a person who has never seen the Cowboys even compete for an NFC championship, but I would take one Super Bowl and then 15 years of down season. I just, mm. as a Cowboys fan, I need to see the, them get over that hump again. I mean, it's been what? like 28 years. Yeah, 28, 28 years. And if you ask somebody in 1998, 9, would you take one Super Bowl for 15 years of down. I mean, we're now on year 28. So yeah, I would take one Super Bowl if it meant a few down years after. Would you? I, I Listen, this is how desperate I am. 
I would take a win, a Super Bowl championship next year and do this 28 years over again. I agree. If I could just get one. Let me just get one in my conscious life because, like you said, it was 96. I was five years old. I'm not even counting that. Like, it, to me, I mean, I have, you know, vague memories. It's not real to me. But, you know, my real first heartbreak was, like, 1998, 1999 is when I started really registering, like, true emotions to this game. So I will do another 28 years if I can guarantee a Super Bowl next year. But part of me, and we can get to a whole different discussion on this at a different pod, Part of my love for the Cowboys is the torment. It's part of the the thrill I'm seeking that, like, I said to my wife, I was like, part of me wants them to win the Super Bowl so I can relax. You know what I mean? Every yeah. year I'm, like, so invested in this and want to see them win the Super Bowl. If they won, I think there would just be so much relief and just so much, like, relaxation. But um, it ain't coming this year. <laughs> yeah, the one thing I will say, and it's not like I'm rooting for this, but with every disappointing season, it is going to eventually make that one Super Bowl win that much sweeter. Now, oh, for sure. I've, I've had enough. Like, it's going to be sweet enough at this point. I don't want more disappointing seasons just so that climax keeps building. But it, it is going to make it really sweet one day. I totally agree. And what also is sweet, like we mentioned, we were able to get some stars. Like, I don't think people realize, you know, first and 10, Kevante Turpin, Cowboys kick return, a punt return, pro bowler in his rookie year. We talk about his time in the USFL and him going to the NFL. And then, of course, Tariq Woolen, the pro bowler cornerback from the Seattle Seahawks. It was very cool to talk about. Um, you probably won't catch it on the podcast, but he was giving us some BS about being Cowboys fans, even though he's from Fort Worth, Texas himself. So he uh, he's a funny dude. That was a really, really good conversation. So right now, right here, we got Kavante Turpin and Tariq Wollen. Hope you guys enjoy it. and We'll see you on the backside of it. What's going on, everybody? Welcome. I told you we had had some big guests here with us today, and there's no one bigger than Kevante Turpin, the kick return and punt return extraordinaire for the Dallas Cowboys. Kevante, how you doing, my man? I'm doing good, man. I want to thank you for having me on the show, man. I'm doing wonderful. Absolutely, man. You know, it's uh, Super Bowl week, so I know you guys are busy and crazy, so we definitely appreciate you taking some time for us. And uh, on that note, I kind of wanted to start off with between the USFL and this full season, man. Have you had to take a single chance to take a breather yet? Ah, uh, no, nah, not yet, man. Cause I came after the season, I, you know, I had to get ready for the Pro Bowl. Then I came out here for the Super Bowl. So, not really. I haven't, I haven't got a break yet. So I, I'm, I'm pretty sure this will be my last weekend Super Bowl, and I, and I can start getting my rest in. Come on, it was a memorable season for you, I'm sure. A lot of, a lot of highs. It there was a memorable ending to the season as well. And one thing, all Cowboys fans want to know. What was the plan of on that final play from scrimmage against San Francisco? Without, it, with what you can tell us, what was supposed so I, to happen I, there? Yeah, I can tell you, it, it was basically like a uh, they call it rugby, like a rugby play. So basically, we just you know whoever catches the ball first, you know, get what you can get, then lateral backwards. So it basically like a lateral play, you know, trying to trying to trying to get some yards, but. You know, it ain't work out how we planned, you know, because I feel like they played play great. They played good defense uh, towards the defense, so that's really why it didn't work. But, you know, it worked like when we practiced it against our defense. But, you know, they just they just had a good, good defensive call, and we just couldn't get nothing going. Hey, man, that's tough. But, you know, moving on to more positive things, now that you finished your first year in the NFL and, you know, being a pro bowler and voted by your peers to be on the all-pro team, um, what did you take away from this season? What were some of your biggest takeaways in your rookie year? Uh, I'd say uh, my biggest takeaway is just, uh, you know, getting the speed of the game down, you know, coming from the USFL, you know, being this my first year, not knowing what to expect in the league. And I just say, uh, 
that's one of my biggest uh my biggest takeaways I had to take away. You know, I had I got to be more patient. You know, all this. You know, because I'm very fast. You know, I get through all the holes and increases it real fast. So uh, I'm just going into the next season. You know, just trying to uh you know be more patient. You know, with, with my speed and just keep my eyes up. Feel me? Just that's one of the biggest things that that I had this year. I'm glad you mentioned that patience because you finished second in the league in 20 plus yard punt returns. You finished second in 40 plus yard punt returns, but you also finished second in fair catches. Where does that patience come from? Because you don't really see that from a first year NFL player. Uh, it's just with me because you know, I've been doing I've been doing punt return, kick return, like you know for all the years I played football, and it's just like with, uh, with the fair catches, you know, you just gotta. It's it's really big on me about uh how fast the gunners and all those but all those guys coming down the field. So it just like with me, I just gotta be way more aggressive, you know, trying to put the ball in try, try to put the ball into play, you know. So um so it just it just it basically just like a test for me this year, you know, just trying to see, you know, what I can learn and see what I can just go back into the next season uh, going into it's funny because uh, you would see it too, and I think you would agree with it. Like there were times where, like, you were grabbing that football, man. It's like if I could just have one more second or a step here, I could take this thing to the house. So, um, yeah. you know, it, it doesn't always work out like that, but the patience is definitely um, some veteran type stuff that you got there, and uh, you know, kind of pivoting a little bit to some fun. I want to ask you because the Super Bowl is funny. You probably get some crazy questions here and there, but uh, who is the funniest teammate you got? Like, if somebody in there, you know, you're gonna be dying laughing when you got in the locker room. Uh, I say, um, I say me. I say, <laughs> I say, I say, I one of the funny guys, you know, CD, CD, man, CD, we, we, we jokes a lot, you know, we've been having like good conversation. That, that a really funny guy too. What Zeke too? Zeke a funny yeah. guy too. You so, can tell uh, Zeke, Zeke's a funny dude, man. <laughs> yeah, Zeke, Zeke a funny dude too. So it's just like, you know, it's just, it's great chemistry spinning the locker room. You know, everybody, you know, respect each other, you know, it's just, you know, everybody just go out there and just try to do their job and have fun. And with your first year being around the Cowboys organization, what was your favorite memory from this year? You're now. I don't want to lead you to an to an answer, but you can say a preseason game if you want. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. I'll go. I'll go say the preseason game for sure. I'll go say that's one. You know, because I feel like the preseason game gets the charge, and they just I say that game kind of welcomed me to the league. You know, so I say that's one of the biggest moments I had this year. You know, just just knowing that after that game, I was I had I already solidified myself like on the Cowboys roster. So they kind of, they kind of one of the biggest memories that I had uh, this year. I don't think you realized like how boss it was to see you return too and then come out in your jersey with no pads on. It's like this man is like his job is he did enough. We don't need to see any more. So yeah, that's that was one of the craziest moments. I know Cowboys fans are going crazy with that. And kind of yeah. in the same breath, uh, how's it like working with Bones Fossil? I mean, Coach Coach Fossil is one of the most respected guys in the league. Yeah, man, Bones, man, I got so much respect for Bones, man, that, you know, he he taught me so much, you know, just, you know, you know, so guys just don't, you know, go into details about what special teams is, move out there. I just say Bones, man, he 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 put the details right into my face, you know, made me, you know, showed me how to, like, you know, be like, you know, just be me, just be an animal back there. So, so Bones, I got, like, Bones, that's my guy, man. He showed me so much respect, so much love this year, bro, and I just, I just, can't wait for what we what we got planned for next year. It's just like Bones that's my guy. So we talked a lot about special teams. That's obviously where you impressed this year, but there's been some movement with the offensive coordinator position for the Cowboys. Obviously, Brian Schottenheimer's coming in. 
Have you had any conversations with Mike McCarthy or Schottenheimer yet about how they plan to use you in the offense in 2023? Uh, no, nah, not 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 yet. But uh, me and Mike McCarthy, we had a talk during, during my exit meeting. Uh, basically saying like, you know, uh, they already know like what I did with the special team this year, do all this. But you know, he could try to get me on the offense and you know just try to you know make guys respect me more on, on both on both sides of the ball, special teams and, and offense and. So I'm just going there, you know, going to this uh, offseason, this training camp. I'm basically trying to show them that, you know, y'all got no choice but to use me on offense. You know, that's my mindset going into, like, the training camp. You know, y'all got to, you know, y'all got to find a way to put me on the field, basically. So that's my motto. I'm trying to know, you know, just trying to do what I can do, you know, because I know I'm, like, I'm a playmaker with the ball in my hands, and I can, you know, scare guys without the ball. With me and CD on the, you know, same side, uh, just on the same field together, me and CD Lamb. So I just feel like, you know, that's my biggest thing going on, just trying to show them that, you know, y'all got to have me on the field, basically. Absolutely. And, you know, with you being out in Arizona for Super Bowl week, it would be uh, remiss if we didn't mention the game itself. So with you playing the Eagles twice now, uh, whether it be special teams or offense, if you were the Chiefs, how would you go and attack that defense of those special teams unit for Sunday? Oh, for sure. Uh, I say well, offense, and it just be like, you know, like, like my boy, uh, Saw Riddick, you know, yeah, he, he, he a monster. You just can't, you know, you got you to gotta have a run game against the Eagles. You just can't, you know, they got a good pass. But, you know, him, he got, what, 16.5 sacks. And, you know, uh, Graham, the other one, he got, like, 14 sacks. So, you know, they getting out of the pass. Rate, so, you just got to have a run game with they, with their defense. You just can't sit back and try to throw the ball like the Chiefs like to do. You know, they're going to have to, uh, you know, you know, you know put, put it on the ground sometimes, you know, just, you know, keep, keep them up their toes. And, like, them. but the special teams – the Eagles, I just say like they special teams wasn't, you know, they wasn't all that good this year. You know, they just, you know, with me, I just feel like most teams special teams weren't good. I just feel like they were just trying to kick away from me. You know, that not trying to give me a chance. You no, know, kick it up in the in the air. You know, I just feel like I haven't, yeah, I haven't really just you know experienced the Eagles. You know, because they were basically just kicking them. And every return I got against them, I broke it down at like for like 40, 50 yards against them. So I feel like they special teams. They they really. They really not that good, but you know they they offense defense and just speaks up for they out for their special teams. For sure, and I love hearing that, man. And so before we get you out of here, I just want to ask you one more question. I'm sure you've been asked a few times. Who you got? Who you got Sunday? Who's taking the win? And if you want to talk about it, you don't have to give it to, but I was asking nah, everybody. I'm gonna give it to you. I'm gonna give it to you. I'm gonna give it to like you wrong. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a real stand up guy, so I'm gonna be real with you, man. I, <laughs> I, to be honest, I want I want the Eagles to win because I want them to bring I want them to bring it back to the NFC. You know, it's it been over there in the AFC too long. You feel? Me? I just you know I, I love my boy Patrick Mahomes. I used to work out with him and all that, but uh. I just, I just, I just feel like I want the Eagles to win, and man, I want them to bring it back to the NFC, man. I feel like you know everybody like that. You know what? You, you, we heard Micah get a little, little heat for saying that, but you know what? I respect it for some, so somebody standing on their principles and how they feel about it. I mean, that's a, that's, that's a bold take, and I like that. So we got Cavante with the Eagles, and uh, you know, with blogging the boys, SB Nation. We want to thank you, Cavante. Thank you for joining us, and uh, I hope you enjoy the rest of your time out in Arizona. I really appreciate y'all. Thank y'all for having me. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the future of work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. All right, boys, we're back, everybody. We got Tariq Wilno here with us, the Pro Bowl rookie corner out of Seattle Seahawks coming into the league with a bang. Tariq, how are you doing, my man? Shoot, I'm doing good, man. How you doing? Good, man. I'm glad that you're here with us. I know you were giving us a little a little BS about the Cowboys background for y'all who can't see it. Uh, this is blogging the boys, but when you got the stars out, you got to talk to them. So first question mm-hmm. I want to ask you, man, was – how was that rookie year, man? You came in the league jumping. Like, this is crazy. How was it? How'd that first year go for you? So, honestly, it was pretty smooth. You know, uh, a lot of ups and downs and, you know, uh, a lot of things that go just beyond the physical standpoint. You know, it's mental, too. And so you just – it's all new to you and you around a whole new environment. But at the same time, you just got to learn how to manage it. And then that's what, you know, being a pro is. Being a pro is learning how to manage the stuff off and on the field. So um, this year I was just trying to be the best version of that. And as I grow into next season, I just got to build off this season and keep doing what I do. Tariq, although you played for the Seahawks, we're Cowboys mm-hmm. podcast, we do have something in common. So mm-hmm. I'm going to let you – first question, what is your least favorite thing about the San Francisco 49ers? Ooh, that they run the ball. <laughs> they really, they're, really, they're a really aggressive team, though, but uh, that they run the ball. <laughs> All right. So All this right. is a two-part two question for you. Let me know, because a lot of people ask you, like, what was your NFL moment, right? What was the first thing that you were like, all right, I'm in the NFL? But when was the first moment you knew, like, all right, I can ball out in this league? Uh, Honestly, uh, I feel like my first game against the Broncos, I had a pretty good game, but at the same time, I did have some penalties. I had, I had like three penalties that game. It was the first game Monday Night <laughs> Football. Uh, but I feel like the real moment was when the second game we played, we played San Fran. You know, we had lost. You know, it was like one of the first plays I made, and it wasn't even on defense. It was a, a block field goal, and we returned it for a touchdown. But like, just in that moment. It was just different, you know, because it didn't feel real. I was like, I really just made like one of my first plays, and, and it wasn't it wasn't an interception, but you know, it, it still helped the team out. You get know what I'm saying? So it was just a great feeling. And then that the week right after, I got my first interception, and I remember just I remember right after the San Fran game, after I blocked the field goal, I was walking into the locker room, 
And I was like, dang, I I, I really want an interception, though. And then my, one of my <laughs> teammates was like, just be patient. So we got there against the Falcons. I called an interception before halftime. So it was just crazy. And then after that, I just went on with four weeks uh, straight getting an interception. Crazy. So You you mentioned the interceptions, of which you led the NF tied for the lead league lead mm-hmm. in your rookie season. We also paired with 16 pass breakups. You're obviously great in college, but the numbers you put up this year was more than you put up in your college career combined. Where did yeah. that ball hawking skill come from? So, you know, uh, I do have a receiver background, too. <laughs> but also, uh, at the same time, in college, I was banged up. You know, a lot of people, like, throughout the throughout the uh, the process of being drafted, people were like, scouts were like, oh, uh, he's a liability. He uh, didn't play that many college games because when I got moved to corner, I had two seasons. But within those two seasons, I broke my forearm twice. So I never played, like, a full season, like a real season. So just combining those games and then now and, – and just also having DK and Tyler Lockett and Marquise Goodwin in practice. Like, you got those, those three receivers. You get the best of any any type of special you need. You got a big body, shifty dude, and all of them fast. And Marquise Goodwin, a different type of fast. So, you know, you you just mix all that in and just being able to be comfortable and being able to play and just trusting, you know, the techniques and all the drills that you did at practice. And it just carried over. And then I just feel like once I got my first interception, uh, it started in training camp. I called interception, and uh, I was like, I want, like anytime I'm around somebody, I want to catch, try at least catch the ball or at least just touch it or something. Because when I was a receiver, the more I touch the ball, you know, you get the more confident, the more you get going. As you see, like in the NFL, once the receiver get going, he get those catches, and they start feeling good. So, you know, that, that's just how I kind of carried it, and it just transitioned throughout the season. And like I mentioned when we opened up here, I mean, you kicked down the door in the league and you said, like, I'm here as a rookie. So in year two, how do you elevate this? Right. You know what you know now, everything you learned. Like, how do you take it up another level in year two? So uh, one thing I really want to do is just get in the playbook even more and uh, also just keep learning how teams attack me. You know, I'm a fast guy. Teams know that they really can't beat me over the top. So they just try different things. So I just got to work on that, work on my off coverage a little bit more. And uh, just learn how to trust my eyes. But once I just mix all that in and, and keep honing in on my technique, shoot, I just feel like I just get even more dangerous as years go by. So I, I just got to get more reps, more seasons than me. But uh, just with the rookie season out the way, and I know next year I got to, you know, have an impact just like I did this year. Last night was obviously the NFL honors, and we hear mm-hmm. that you finished third in defensive rookie of the year voting. So going from a fifth-round pick, <laughs> Going from a fifth-round pick to finishing third in defense rookie of the year voting, how does that make – are you not satisfied? Are you happy with the – okay. Tell us about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I am. No, I ain't satisfied at all just because, like, you know, obviously you want to win it. You're only a rookie once. So, like, having that under your belt, that would be pretty cool. But at the same time, that, that ain't what defines your career. You know what I'm saying? So, um. Honestly, I just want to win a Super Bowl. That'd be one cool thing I want. I want to win. I want to win a Super Bowl. You know, just after being around in the Pro Bowl and after just going to the awards, like winning the awards will be nice too. But a ring is something that you know what I'm saying that nobody can take away from. That's hard earned. You know, and at the same time, you don't have to attend a long NFL honors 
ceremony because you'll be with the Super Bowl people too. Because <laughs> I have my own one last night. So he had a little video thingy. So <laughs> that was like, cool. And but, that's the funny. Sorry, go ahead, my bad. No, I'm saying that's the funny part of this, right? Like, hopefully next year we don't have to talk to you because you'll be in it, or you know what I mean? Like, you don't have to do the right. rounds this week. No, facts, man. Super Bowl will be nice, but uh, at the end of the day, you know, shoot, people got to vote. People got different markets. You know, I'm a fifth-round pick, two first-round picks, and I'm going to just let that do the math. And, yeah. So it's, it's rare to have, like, two moments, right, where you kind of – can build off of and grab a chip from like being a fifth round pick, like you said, was enough motivation for you then to get snubbed when I think it's clear. I think Aiden would agree with me. Like, I mean, th- what are we doing here for you to lead the league in interceptions and that, you know, not even be higher than third. So I think that's crazy. But at the same time, you know, was there a type of person in that locker room, a player or coach, anybody that you were like, all right, I'm, I'm going to absorb all the information I can. I'm a really attached to him and, and this will kind of help me propel my career forward. Uh, honestly, we had a, a great group of veterans. I just feel like our team, we just began to get closer throughout the season. And no matter the wins or the losses or how many streaks of losses we did throughout the season, we just managed to still come together, get close, and be a family. And, and in my room, I got Quandre, I got Jamal, you know, those are two season vets. But also I got Artie Burns, he's a vet, you know. Mike Jack, he been in the league for a minute, too. Like, I want to say this, this is like year three or four. You know, he started off with the Cowboys. So, Right. Uh, he was a, a great, a great guy that was uh, out there helping me. And I feel like everybody in the room did a great job of just helping each other and trying to see each other grow. Because we knew, uh, we we knew we was a young team coming into the season, and you know, uh, just building off this season, we're gonna have more guys coming in, and guys gonna you know play a role. You know, my role is gonna change a little bit more because I'm gonna have to feed into a young guy that come in. You know what I'm saying? So. Uh, uh, collectively, I just feel like we did a, a great job of just being a real team and a, a family. We just got to become closer and win close games. And from an outsider's perspective, it was a surprising season for the Seahawks. We didn't expect Gino to mm-hmm. play this way. We didn't expect Kenneth Walker to look the way that he did. And yet the team, the offense looked solid. But on the other hand, the, Seah- the Seahawks passing defense went from 31st in 2021 to 13th in 2022. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you weren't there in 2021, but do you feel like the defense is getting ignored during this, during the surprising season? A little bit. I feel like it is a little bit because I seen something, uh, the NFL thing had posted something, like a video. It was like uh, it was like a, a, a stat thing, and it said me and Mike Jack had the second best uh, passer rating in the league. It was like 70.6 or something. So, like, we had the second best, and I don't think people were talking about that much either, but it was on a video I had seen. And it was just uh, pretty crazy because I was like, on our defense, it's a, kind of overshadowed because obviously we, did, we, we didn't really do a good job this year at stopping the run. That was something we kind of got better at towards the end of the season, but we need to pick up on that, especially going into next season because teams will like run the ball. You play the 49ers twice, you think they're going to run the ball. So, I was like um, – just putting all that together and collectively, I feel like uh, the defense will be great, though. You know, uh, we just got to work on that rush defense and then pass defense. We keep building in that. And we uh, we, we, we did better in takeaways this year, too. So, for sure, we're going to uh, up it some more next season. 
Perfect. And before we get you out of here, we have to ask, man, um, you you know, these teams like uh, who do you got, man? Like we we heard Cavante earlier talking about some of the things that the Eagles do well and don't do well. Like who, who's your pick? Let's put it out there. Uh, honestly, I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to go for the NFC. You know, I'm going to go with the Eagles, you know, coming to NFC. And I, I like Darius Slay and James Bradbury. And also one of my close friends, he played D-line for the, for the Eagles. So I'm going to just go with the NFC. All right. Well, that's it. We got two people on the pod talking NFC Eagles. So Tariq Wollin, man, we appreciate you joining us on Blogging the Boys. Like you said, you ain't a Cowboys player, but when we can get stars on the, on the pod anytime we can do it, I appreciate your time, man. All right, and I appreciate you for having me. Uh, you guys have a great day. All right, guys, that was Cavante Turpin and Tariq Woolen. Uh, man, to me, that was super fun. I had a really good time talking to them, and I really enjoyed that. Uh, Aiden, what was your initial thoughts from that conversation with the both of them? Cavante does not like the Eagle special teams, apparently. I love that's, that's my big takeaway. He was very open. Uh, the one, my biggest takeaway from this is Cavante really does want to get more involved with the offense. I'm when he said that, although he hasn't had the conversations with McCarthy and Schottenheimer yet, you said he said that he's going to be working, really working this offseason to prove that he needs to be on offense. I mean, that's a guy that he needs, he needs to touch the ball more and he wants to touch the ball more. And so I think he kind of wants to be, be used as this gadget player that we're increasingly seeing NFL teams use. And so that was my big takeaway was how bad Kevante wants to be on the offense. Absolutely. And it wasn't lost on me in the fact that he wasn't shy about when he mentioned CD lamb, he threw his name in there too. He thinks that the two of them can really do some dangerous things. And I think we were robbed. You know, this is just I mean, his story. Nobody's ever going to say anything negative about his story because it's an amazing story. He played 30 plus football games in two different professional leagues and never took a break in between. But I think we were robbed of his juice at the end because of that. I mean, there is nobody in this league that has played as close to as many full contact sporting football games as he had. So I think next year, full off season, regular off season, he can chill, he can get his body right. And I think we're going to see a dangerous Cavante Turpin on offense and on special teams. So that's super exciting. Um, you know, what I did take away too, is that they both picked the Eagles. And like we said, this is dropping on Monday. So we'll be able to see if they were right, if they were both right or both wrong. Um, but what was funny with the Tariq Wollin thing, or not funny was I thought I respect was um, he was certainly not satisfied with being in third place in the, in the defensive rookie. I mean, you, you could see it on his face i know this is an audio podcast but when you asked him about that he was like visibly like i got robbed and he's going to put that on his chip shoulder going from a fifth round pick to uh third you know third and rookie voting for the defensive rookie of the year he definitely has some more added motivation for next year yeah uh, real quick i want to revisit the Kevante turpin the amount of yeah. games he played one thing that yeah we talked we talked about the fact that he played in the usfl and the nfl this that just in the 2022 calendar year, which is insane. But one thing that isn't really discussed is the fact that if you just go back one more year and include 2021, he played in the fan-controlled football league, the spring league, and then he played in the European football league. So that's yeah. another three leagues played. So in total, he's played five leagues in two two calendar years, which he is needs a break. absurd. Yeah, <laughs> he, this, this offseason, I'm sure it's going to be nice for him. But then I guess revisiting the Tariq Woolen, it's the one my big takeaway from Tariq Woolen was he didn't it doesn't feel like he like he knew he wasn't a fifth round pick it was like he was like yeah I am I am among the best 
uh, in this, not only in this draft class, but in the NFL, he knows it. And it was just the confidence of, yeah, I was robbed. I'm not happy with the fact that I went from a fifth round pick to third in defensive rookie of the year voting. I deserve that award. And so it was just a, that confidence from a fifth round pick and that confidence from a rookie player. It was this, this Tariq one is set up to do great things in the NFL. Absolutely. And, you know, like I said, we mentioned before, not a Cowboys player, but when you get a chance to to talk to Pro Bowl players and kind of pick their brain a little bit. And, you know, he's from the Texas area, so I'm sure the people listening to our podcast are very familiar with his uh, background a little bit. Yeah, and when you tweeted out, I, I know one response when you tweeted out that we were talking to Tariq Woolen, somebody threw in the fact that we could have had Bland and mm. Woolen on this team. Crazy. <laughs> would, would the Cowboys just put up, a hundred interceptions a year between bland woolen and Diggs. i mean that's that would just be you couldn't throw on this defense without just the 50 percent chance of it going the opposite direction That'd on top of that tariq woolen's like the exact dan quinn body type you know yeah. what i mean the, he's yep. a, a massive long cornerback that would have fit in this defense perfectly but you know um i think we got a good one um i think it's gonna yeah. be exciting to watch both of their careers but you know kind of wrap up with a cowboy spin on it i'm really excited about Gavante turpin like you said we had mentioned earlier i was i wrote an article about him I, it must have been may or june at the time before training camp i said i want this kid i want you know he's the league mvp in the usfl i'm really excited about his prospects i'm rooting for him just because of you know, I, I respect the grind. You know, like you said, he played in like five leagues in two years. Like, it's crazy. So um, very excited, very grateful we were able to get a talk to him. So before we kind of wrap it up, Aiden, you got any last thoughts, whether it be Cowboys, Super Bowl, interview, anything, get it off your chest, because after this, it will be completely full offseason mode for us and things change at that point. You know, my only thought is that in 364 days, I hope that we get to be talking about, or 365 days, I hope that we are the post-game podcast after the Dallas Cowboys won the 2023-2024 Super Bowl. That mm. would be, I don't I don't know if I would be able to record that podcast emotion, <laughs> from an emotional standpoint, but I'd love to be recording it. Listen, speak it into existence, Aiden. We need that to become a reality. So, um, you know... This is it, boys and girls. Uh, we started, I mean, it feels like ages ago, right? Ages ago with the podcast, but this will be the final one in season for this year. So it's been a great year with you, Aiden, man. I really do appreciate it, man. It's been fun. Uh, more stuff on the horizon here, but for the last time in the regular season or the whole season as a whole, including the Super Bowl, this is the first and 10 podcast. Tony Catalina, Aiden Davis, Blogging the Boys, powered by SB Nation. I appreciate you guys' time tuning in. Um, and I hope you have a good rest of your day. Peace. Support for this show comes from Wix Studio. Designers and devs, you might be able to do your thing better on Wix Studio, a web platform with everything you need to deliver bespoke sites hyper-efficiently. Design teams get a ton of smart features that can take the grind out of web creation without it costing per pixel control. 
dev teams, you get a zero setup developer first environment combined with an AI code assistant and your preferred IDE for rapid deployment. Search Wix Studio today to explore the full range of features. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.